hand clap of praise this morning. Now y'all know what I'm going to say. What am I going to say? Let's give Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise this morning. Come on, y'all alive this morning? Come on, we celebrating not Happy Easter. We're celebrating Resurrection Day, amen? The resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which means the resurrection of ourselves, amen? Because through Him, we have power over death, hell, and the grave. Power, church. In fact, He promised us, if we are within Him, that we shall never die. Now, I don't really claim to understand eternity in all its totality. But church, it's hard to wrap your mind around that concept, around that promise, around that truth that we shall never die. We shall live in eternity. And church, we don't just live in eternity. We shall live in eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How wonderful is that going to be to be able to truly see Him in all of His splendor and all of His glory, amen? It says that the very countenance of Him, the very light of Him is going to light up New Jerusalem. That he is going to literally light it up, hallelujah, like the sun gives us light in our lives. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And we are going to be able to experience that because of the power of his resurrection. In fact, the very word resurrection, where we see it in Greek, is oftentimes used the word anastasis. And what it actually means, church, it means this. It means to literally rise up. From the dead once more to be down and to be dead and to be limp and to be lifeless and all of a sudden you have life and you rise from that point of death back into life through what he's done for us through his love through his compassion and through his atoning work for us we have life and we now have it everlasting and church what I want to minister on this morning just for a few moments for a few minutes I know we're under time constraints this morning, but as we're under time constraints, I know many of you probably have dinner dates you have to be to, you have in-laws, you have family that you're trying to go have lunch with, and I'm going to try my best to get you out of here, but I see they took the clock down in the back, so that must mean I can preach up here all day. I'm going to try my best, but at the same time, church, as I try and get you out of here at the appropriate time, let's don't limit the Lord, amen? In fact, every time we come into the house of God, we should never limit God. We always should have an expectation, is today going to be the day? Is this going to be the moment? Is God going to touch me miraculously? Am I going to be touched? Am I going to be refreshed? Am I going to be revealed? Am I going to be saved by the Lord God Almighty today. Today, church, not could be your day, but today is your day. You remember the man that the waters would churn and he was limp, he couldn't get into the waters and Jesus would approach him and Jesus would ask him the question, what are you doing, what are you waiting on here? And he would respond and say, well, then angel comes down and it churns the waters, it touches the waters, and whomever is first into the water, then that person is healed, that person is blessed, that person is cured. But every time that the waters begin to churn, I have no one to help me get into the water. 
So therefore I have to remain here. And it says that he had been there some almost 30 years. He had been sitting there waiting for that moment. I have no one to help me. And someone always gets in there before me, gets in there before me first. And Jesus would look him in the very eyes, the very healer, the conqueror of all death, the provider, the substance, the very son of God, the provision that he needed, the great physician himself would look this and he would say unto him, Today is your day. I want you to get up right now and I want you to take up your bed and I want you to walk out of here. And the man looked into the eyes of Christ and he believed him and he took up his bed and he walked. Hallelujah. Church, that can be you today. Amen. Some of you are dead in sins and trespasses and you need a Savior this morning. Some of you need to be resurrected from the life that you live in. You're down, you're out, you're in a place of hopelessness, you're in a place of despair, you're in a place of depression. But hallelujah, you can be resurrected today through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul would say that I may know Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Boy, it's good to be back in this pulpit. Hallelujah. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you, Lord, for all of your provision. Lord, we just humbly, tenderly, Lord, we approach your throne of grace, O Lord God, which you have promised us, Lord, that is available unto us. Lord, through the tearing of that veil, Lord God, you have made the way, Lord, that even a way-wearing stranger cannot err in the way thereof, O Lord God. We see it, Lord God. We see that straight and that narrow gate, Lord, the narrow path. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves, Lord, and come to you this morning so that you alone may lift us up, Lord God. Help us today, O Lord God, with all of our sins and our trespasses, Lord, all of our negativity, O Lord God, all of our lethargy to focus, to hone in, O Lord God, and what you would have to say to your body, to your people today, O Lord God. Use me, Lord, as a simple vessel, your preacher this morning, O Lord God, to speak your truths. Lord, allow my heart cry to be communicated effectively and appropriately to your people. Lord, have control in this service, Lord God, and draw us, Lord, unto your bosom. We ask this all today, O Lord God, in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and our precious Savior. And everyone in the house said amen. 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 Church, I want to take you back some 2,000 years to a time of despair, to a time of death. As you heard me open up the service this morning, I talked about life, but also talked about death. You see, church, in order for us to truly have the overcoming life, the conquering life, we have to pass from death unto life. There is no other path. There is no other way. We have to die to self. We have to die to everything that's within. We have to commit to Jesus Christ. We have to pass from death unto life. And I want you to know this is not an easy thing. This is a very hard thing for us to come to the concept, to come to grips with. Because you look at all of history, death has plagued mankind. From the very moment that they were in the garden, 
When God placed them in this so-called perfect environment, He never took away something from them. He never took away their free will. He never took away their moment of choice. And therefore, when they were in this garden, we see that they are tempted by the devil. The devil begins to speak lies to them. He begins to twist things up. He begins to misquote things. He begins to plant those seeds. He begins to do all of those things that he does to us literally on a daily basis. And we see them begin to think on those things, begin to dwell on those things. And then they have to come to a moment to where they have a choice to make. And that choice is, are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe everything in His Word? Are you going to believe what He's speaking to your heart even right now as this preacher's preaching to you? Are you going to believe what God is doing, what He's saying unto you, what the Spirit is saying unto the churches? Are you going to believe Him? Are you going to come up with your own path, your own way, your own thoughts, your own journey that you intend to go on? And we know that the choice that they made was the wrong choice. And they chose sin over God. God would literally come down at that very moment and He would spend time with them in the cool of the day. He would begin to talk with them. He would be able to commune with them. I can just imagine. I don't know what He looked like at that point, but I know that He came down and He walked with them. And it says that He allowed Adam to even name the very animals that were all about them. Adam, what would you like to call this animal? It's really fast. It's really big. Well, I think I'll call that one a horse. Can you imagine? But they chose the opposite of that. And they chose themselves. And we know that sin from that very moment entered into mankind. And church, as sin entered into mankind, something else also began to be present with mankind from that very moment, from that very instant. For God has said, for he who sins shall die. And we know that death became something very visible to them, very real unto mankind from that point forward, is that every person would get to a point to where finally they would die. From the very moment that they breathed their first breath, that newborn baby, how innocent, how precious, and how beautiful. And when you look at that child, you say, yes, the child is growing. Yes, the child is waxing strong. But I'm going to tell you something else. The child is also dying from that very moment that it takes its first breath. It's on a journey. It's on a path unto death. If the Lord tarries. And so we see death is a plague unto mankind. It just follows mankind. No matter how healthy you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much money you get in your bank account, no matter how many physical things that you have, no matter what's going on, no matter how charismatic and popular there's always something that's trailing behind mankind and it's death. Death, death. In fact, many of you here in the audience this morning are thinking, you know, I got way more gray hair than what I had even 10 years ago. I wonder when my moment is going to be my last moment. I wonder when my breath is going to be my last breath. I wonder how I'm going to pass on. I wonder how that's going to occur. So no matter what's going on with us, we always have it lingering. We always have it chasing us. Death follows mankind. And this is the point that the disciples were at when Jesus Christ was crucified. The Lord had burst onto the scene. And for three and a half years, He walked with them. He taught them. He gave them things. They saw Him heal the sick. They 
saw him cure all the diseases. They saw him lay his hands on people. They even saw him raise the dead. Hallelujah. They saw the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf can hear. Hallelujah. They saw all those things that Christ literally did before their very eyes. And then he literally sent them out with power. And they also began to do the great works of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was a glorious time. A moment in history that mankind had never seen before. God Almighty taking the form of man and walking with His creation. Can you imagine? Christ. John would even say, I laid my head on His bosom. My hands have handled Him. My eyes have beheld Him. I heard the heartbeat of God. I grasp him. And they came for him. They took him. And they beat him. And they plucked his beard. They even began to strike him. And say things like, oh, you're a prophet? Then prophesy which one of us struck you. And then they tied him up and they scourged him. And he was beaten and he was bruised and he was near death. And he even had to carry that old horrible cross down the Via Della Rosa. That pathway. He couldn't even make it on his own there to get someone else to help him bear his cross. And then finally he got to a, a hill called Mount Calvary, a place of the skull called Golgotha. And as they were even nailing the spikes into his hands and into his feet to raise him up on that day, the only thing he could say is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They would place a sign over his head in three different languages that says, this is the king of the Jews to mock him. And then he was crucified. He died for my sins and for yours. But they took the body from that point and they placed it inside of the tomb and they rolled the stone over the tomb. It took several men to do that. It was very, very heavy. They rolled it over and where there was light, now there was only darkness. And the apostles were in a place of indecision. Their entire faith, their entire life, their entire thought process had been hindered in a great and a mighty way. They didn't know what to believe. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to say. Many of them just decided, we don't know what to do. We're just going to go back to work. We're going to go back fishing because most of them were fishermen. They didn't know what to do. They just went back to work. And they were in a place of despair. They were in a place of hopelessness. Darkness had enclosed and where they thought they were going to have victory and life everlasting in their eyes and their thought process, death once more had overtaken them. Everything that they had hoped for, everything they had believed, everything they had searched for, it looked at the moment as if death had overtaken them once more. Death conquered mankind once more. Church, I want to ask you this morning, how many of us also seem to be in that place? 
death just seems to linger behind us. And I want to tell you, church, before we can ever progress and do anything in our lives, we have to come to the point to where we know that we know that we know that death, hallelujah, is not going to be an obstacle to me anymore. And I want to tell you, church, the only way that comes unto us is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus would tell them, He would say, Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, he shall find it. Matthew 16 and 25. Church, turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. I want to show you another people that was exactly in the place and the position of the disciples at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start off at verse 13. Jacob had come back to see his son that he thought was dead and had passed on. Can you imagine that great reunion? His favorite son. (laughs) The one that he knew in his heart that the promise was given. He had made him the robe of many colors. It made him stand out against his brothers. We knew the great prophecies that the Lord had given him, but for all these years he thought Joseph died some probably 15 to 17 years. He thought Joseph was gone. But we know the story. It was a time of famine, and the Lord raised up Joseph. He was living in a prison. He got out of prison to become the second most powerful man in the world. (laughs) In fact, I would say he was the most powerful because he had God on his side. Imagine that. See, church, God's not limited by any circumstances. Come on, he made us out of dirt. (laughs) Never thought about that one, did you? Some pretty good dirt, aren't we? Huh? But the people, after living some 400 years in Egypt, God's people, God's chosen, God's apple of his eyes, he would call them, became in bondage came in slavery. And then Moses was lifted up as the great mediator to go back unto Pharaoh, to go back into Egypt at some 80 years old. Yeah, he wasn't a spring chicken as we like to call it. We often see these shows where Moses is like 45. Church, he was 80 years old. He lived 40 years in Egypt. He lived 40 years out in the desert. 40 and 40 is what? 80 years old when he was told to go. That might have been why he said, I don't, Lord, send somebody else. Y'all want to go with me on some of my mission trips? <laughs> Send somebody else, Brother Joey. I'm too old to go. No, you're not. You're not. But he went back into Egypt and he began to proclaim the word of the Lord, the truth of the Lord. God saith, let my people go. And Pharaoh would not hear it. And we know that plague after plague came upon them. The locusts, the disease, the darkness. All of it began to come up on them. The waters turned to blood. All of these things, the very frogs raining down upon them. It says it was so dark in one of those plagues they couldn't even see a candle before their very faces, stumbling all over everything in the palace of Egypt. And finally, because of their hardness of their heart, 
and they would not listen, God sends the death angel. But he says, when I see the blood, (laughs) I will pass over you. And we know that all the firstborns that did not have the blood on the post was slain that very night. And then Pharaoh decides, because his most precious son had been taken, to let the people go. And it says that as they were leaving, that they literally began to give them all their jewelry, all their earrings. They literally was throwing gold at them as they were going out of Egypt. But then it says, it gets to a point to where Pharaoh looks up. And Pharaoh asked the question, what have we done? We have let them all go. So so Pharaoh goes and he gets his army and he gets some 600 chariots, men of war, and he sends all of his men of war, including himself, he sends all of them to go and to kill and to conquer the Israelites who thought they had freedom, who thought they had been given everything that they needed in life. They thought they were free. They thought they could live now as they wanted to live. They thought that they had overcome everything in life that they needed to overcome. But I want you to know there was that obstacle that was always chasing mankind as they looked up they now saw death coming towards them and it says their backs were up against the Red Sea it's believed to be some 3 million people out there they couldn't go to the right they couldn't go to the left and they certainly couldn't cross the sea as the chariots began to come after them as death was now once more right there at their doorstep. And the people began to murmur. They began to talk, as we all do, and chide Moses. You brought us out here to die. We believed in you. We trusted you. And now we're going to die out here in this God-forsaken place. But it says this in verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, you stand still and you see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall not see them again no more forever. Well, that's quite a statement right there, isn't it? Uh-huh. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ you unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up the rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts and upon all of his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. And verse 21 says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters 
were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Moses stands up by faith and says, Death is once more at our door, is once more before us. And we have no power over death. Only God has power over death. And he told him to stretch his hands wide. And as he stretched his hands wide, we see that God divided the water. And there was a wall of water on the left side, and there was a wall of water on the other side. And the people began to progress across that water. You see, church, the way, the path for them also was death that they were having to walk through. You see, the cross of Christ, church, it doesn't really make sense to us. It doesn't totally add up to us. But church, in order to receive life, we have to first pass through death. As they begin to step out into that place, and it says they were literally kicking up dust. I don't know how high the water was on each side, but it may have been some 30, 40, 50 feet high up on each side. And church, God commanded them, if you want to live, if you want to get to the other side, you have to go through the path the way that I have made for you. And Jesus Christ later would say in the New Testament, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. If you want to get to the other side of life, if you want to have power over death that is right at your doorstep, you have to walk through the path that looks like death unto you. But I want to promise you today, if you'll listen to me, if you adhere to my words, if you'll have faith in me, if you'll believe in me, you can, you will pass from death unto life. Hallelujah. Mm. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and the chariots and the horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. The Lord fights for us against death that pursues us. Y'all hearing me this morning? You think the enemy is going to overtake you? You think death's going to overtake you? If you know him, they don't have any power over you. Come on, he might cause them to have a few flat tires along the way. They might be right there in the back. Come on giving you something as you look in the rearview mirror, yelling at you, telling you they're going to run you off the road and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and they're going to come find you. Church, you don't even have to look back at them. You just keep moving forward because he's going to stop them. He's going to prevent them. Death has no power over us. Hallelujah. It says he disconfitted them. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 26, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, don't miss this, and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned 
to the strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the water returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon the dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters where a wall was unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now church, I want you to know What happened here? As Moses had stretched forth his hand and the sea had divided before him through the power and the working of the Lord, also what conquered it was whenever he stretched forth back his hands and the waters began to conquer and go over. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. He died for my sins and for yours. He died for us. He was dead. He was buried and he was placed into the tomb. But I want to tell you something. Whenever they crucified him and they took him down off of that cross, hallelujah, and those arms were crossed, I want you to know the victory for us had been sealed at that very moment. Death that pursued us had been sealed from that very moment because Jesus Christ was no ordinary man. He never sinned, not in thought and in deed. He never broke the law. He never did anything wrong. Therefore, he who sins shall surely die. He was not sin. He became sin for you and I. He took on all of the sins that the world had ever done, all of the sins that the world would ever do, everything you would ever do. Jesus Christ took it upon himself and he paid the penalty for us. He died for us. He was beaten for us. He was bruised for us. The very iniquities, our lawlessness was upon him. By His stripes, hallelujah, you and I are healed today by the power of Jesus Christ. Death had no power over Him. I can just imagine old devil down there jumping and screaming and fighting and stomping around. You ever saw kids? You ever seen them do that? I used to do that. I didn't get my... I still... No, I'm kidding. I bet he was stomping, and he was slurring, and he was doing all those things. But Christ just kept on rising. (laughs) Because death had no power over him. Come on, when he was taken off that cross and he was dead and buried, you and I, the sinful you and I, if we know him this morning, was also placed into Jesus Christ. We also were dead and buried. But as death had no power over him and he rose again to newness of life, you and I also rise again to newness of life because we have been placed into the body of Christ. Y'all with me this morning? Death has no more power over us through Jesus Christ. Church, do you know him today? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? I'm not talking about the person next to you. Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Today, church, you can handle this once and for all if you don't know him. You also can rise again to newness of life through the power 
of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Y'all want to see what happened that day? All right, all four of you, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. How am I doing, Quentin? Oh, I'm doing really good. I could preach another hour. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. It says, And in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary rose to see the sepulcher. They were going to anoint the body of Christ. They could not go because of the Sabbath. And behold, there was a great earthquake For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I love that. Come on, there was darkness, there was death. But now the stone had been rolled away and light and life came forth out of that death and that darkness. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly, And tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you unto Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples the word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go and tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Church, they shall see me again. You thought death and darkness and despair had overtaken you? You thought that it was the end? Your life was in shambles? You were in a state of depression? You didn't know to turn to the right hand or to the left? You didn't know what to do? You didn't know what to believe? You didn't know where to go? You didn't know anything that was before you? Your entire faith had been turned upside down. Even Peter, the chief of the apostles, had denied me three times before the cock crowed. Many of you fled at that very moment. In fact, it was only John and one other that was actually there at my crucifixion. After walking with me all this time, you thought I was going to come back and I was going to conquer everything with a sword in my hand. I want you to know right now that day is going to happen. But first, I had to conquer something that was much greater than the oppression of Israel. I had to conquer something that had plagued mankind from the very beginning. I had to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And I want you to know it has no power over me. Hallelujah. I am risen now and forevermore. Hallelujah. I rise back up. And I'm going to walk once more. I'm going to live once more. 
I'm going to worship once more. I'm going to breathe life once more. I shall know the power of Jesus Christ and the glory of his resurrection over death, hell, and the grave. Church, do you have it today? Do you know that you know that you know that if everybody in here were to stand up and were to look you in the face and were to say, you know, I like you, I believe this, I believe that, but I just don't really know about your salvation. I don't really know if you're really saved this morning. I don't mean to cast that on you. It's just my thoughts on this thing, that you can look them in the face and you can say, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ a long time ago. It don't matter what happens. It don't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I know that He is my Lord and my Savior. He is my God. And I am His child. And I know that He blesses me. He nourishes me. And I know that I shall never die. I know that God loved me so much that He sent Jesus Christ down to this mortal coil to walk, to breathe, and to live, and to die for me so that I can receive the gift of eternal life. Church, is that you this morning? Is that you today? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Brother Joy, you're preaching to the church, am I? What about you this morning that the Spirit has been drawing this entire service? Working on your heart, speaking into your life, saying, you need to get right with God. You need to settle this once and for all. Church, today is the day of salvation. Do you want to know Him and the power of His resurrection today? Church, I want to tell you, you can. You can know Him. Brother Brian, I'm going to ask you to come back just for a few moments this morning. The worship team, if you don't... Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. There was a man named Simeon. And he would go to the temple every day because the Lord had told him, you shall see the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, before you die. You shall lay your eyes upon him. And every day he would go as they would bring these children to be consecrated unto the Lord to offer up a sacrifice after their eight days, bring them. And he would go to each child and know this isn't the one, know this isn't the one, know this isn't the one. Finally, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus unto him. And he would have this to say unto them, Now I know that I can go and I can pass on because my eyes have laid upon the Savior. Church, can you say the same thing? The Bible says we're not promised tomorrow. In fact, it tells us that life is but a vapor, that we're 
here today and we're gone the, ne- the very next instant. Know today that you are His and He is yours. Oh, as they begin to play, would you come this morning? You need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Oh, would you come this morning? Come on, we got some time, church. Would you come, would you enter in as they begin to play this morning? Let the Spirit speak into your heart.